The Coaching You Podcast is presented by Huddle Basketball and Huddle Assist, your best solution to capture and analyze every aspect of the game from the first tip to the final buzzer. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You Podcast presented by Huddle and Huddle Assist. This is Coach Brendan Sir and... Our guest today is Jared Grasso. Jared is the head coach at Bryant University. He took over one of the toughest programs in the country three years ago, and he has turned it around. He spent uh, eight years at Iona College with the great Tim Kluse, a fabulous, fabulous coach, and this guy was ready to become a head coach, and he has gone in and energized his program, created a culture. They play a fast-paced, patino style of play uh, with upbeat offense and defense and i think it's a great way to play they're very successful it's a program and a coach that's really coming strong after this quick timeout, we'll be back with jared grasso we're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at dr dish basketball on board as sponsors of the coaching you podcast dr dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Hi, this is Brendan Sir. I'm talking to coaches, PE teachers, ADs, and camp directors because I'm so excited to announce our newest Coaching You podcast partnership with my friends from 360 Hoops. What if I told you that I've witnessed the most innovative game, training, and exercise for kids that I've seen in decades? 360 Hoops takes up less space than traditional basketball and allows for more players to get involved in developing their basketball fundamentals. The three-sided basket is attached to wheels for easy transportation and can adjust from 7 to 10 feet. The uses are endless, from elementary and middle school recess to physical education class that can also be used for team practice and skill development training for teams with players of all ages. For more information, visit www.play360hoops.com. To learn more about this new innovative product, make sure you mention Coaching You for a 10% discount. My guest today is head coach of the Bryant University, Jared Grasso. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Brandon. You are coaching in the toughest time 
of my 50 years of coaching that I've ever seen or experienced. What's it like? Yeah, you know, it's been an interesting, uh, you know, now it's amazing. We're going on 10, 11 months now from when uh, the pandemic started last March up until this point. Just the managing our guys, you know, last spring and the recruiting last spring and then getting guys back on campus to what new college education looks like and what being a college basketball player looks like now. Um, so obviously it's been a major adjustment for our guys. Um, thankfully I've had a really good mature group who've, you know, done the right things uh, most importantly off the floor, but on the floor in the classroom, you know, in, around campus um, and they've been gym rats, you know, so during this time where, there's not a lot you can do. You know, it's, there's not parties. You're not going off campus. You're not going to bars and restaurants and all these mm-hmm. things that the typical college student was doing just doesn't exist right now. Thankfully, I've had a group of guys who really love being in the gym, which I think has kind of, you know, helped them with you know, those days, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. There's guys in here getting shots up. I walk in the office 630 this morning. I got three guys in here working out. So credit to them that they just used this time um, and taking advantage of it. But it has been a really strange, um, fluid day-to-day time where you know, I tell people, they ask how you handle it. I say, I'm just very day-to-day with everything. I don't look past the upcoming day and worry about having a great practice or having a great film session or weightlifting session or whatever it is we're doing that day. And then go home and try and spend as much time with my family and my wife and my children as I can and try and take advantage of every day because things have changed on the fly so much. You never know what's happening tomorrow. You know, Jared, one of the things that uh, one of my best friends, John Gordon, the author, um, uh, said to me um, when this all went in, he said, Brendan, I went into, this is Mr. Positivity, right? You know, John is, and he's saying, uh, I went into near depression after about a month of this, you know, he said, I had 12 speeches at $40,000 canceled in one month. He said, uh, they, I didn't know if he was going to speak again in six months, 12 months, whatever. And it really was affecting him. And, and then uh, one day he was listening to someone else's podcast and it said, don't worry about where you're going in three or four months. Worry about just winning the day. And that, that became a mantra of mine almost. Just win the day, you know. And I think that's what we've had to do in, in coaching nowadays. Yeah, I and mean, I think it's the only way you can attack this. And it's the thing our team has talked about a lot. And what they've bought into is we're just going to win today. We need to have a great practice today. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you if our game's going to end up being canceled at some point. I can't tell you what changes are going to be made to our schedule or to our daily routine. But let's go out there and have a great – so I have some guys out. I'm looking outside my office. I have some guys outside working out right now, getting shots up. We do individuals every day outside of practice, and they're in, in shooting groups right now. So for them, it's about let's get a great shooting session in right now. Let's get a great practice in this afternoon. And it's something we've really bought into, and I've really tried to push into my guys because I've really bought into it myself, and it's made me a better coach, and it's made me much healthier just in terms of mental health because – you talked about John Gordon. I was kind of in the same place after, you know, a month, two months of last spring. You're talking about our guys don't know when they're going to come back to campus, and they want to know when are we getting back, when are we starting summer school, what's going on. Sure. I brought in a nine-player recruiting class, of wow. eight of which I signed in the spring. So these guys, I, <laughs> some of them I knew from before, but I'm recruiting them via Zoom, which I've never done before. Some of these guys I've never sat down with, never met. I'm doing it off of video and off of, you know, 
friends of mine and, and, and bouncing names off them. And, and you know, you're, you're doing things that are so out of your comfort zone. And for a lot of us coaches, we want to be in control of everything. We're used to things going a certain way. It's the spring. We're going recruiting. You know, here's the transfer portal. I can bring this guy in for a visit. And everything was so foreign. And then I got to the point. I just resigned myself to I'm worrying about the day. I'm going to try and make this a great day. I'm going to make this a great recruiting call. I'm going to make this a great video session. I make this a great Zoom call with my team and just control the things we can control. And that's kind of the way I've tried to handle myself throughout this whole time. And I think that's phenomenal. I think that, and and this is when I think, you know, as a head coach, even though you're, and I don't want, I'm going to say this because you are, you know, you're a young head coach, you know, you've been in the business a long time, but you're a young head coach. The one of the biggest things is you have a staff, probably of young assistants for the most part, and now yep. they look to you for leadership and guidance and development. And now you're doing, you're coaching your coaches as much as you're coaching your players now, right? Absolutely. Yes, I do have a young, I have a great staff, right. but a young staff. Um, and it's been, it's been a challenge for me and something I've really taken personal is I'm big on putting these guys in position to be successful, both grow under me as young assistant coaches. You know, I have a couple my director of ops is 23 years old. My third assistant is 23, 24 years old. Um, my second assistant played for me at University of Hartford and is uh, in his early 30s and a really up-and-coming guy. And then I have Phil Martelli Jr., who's been around his dad and been around the business. So I have one more veteran guy. But really with the young guys, it's my job to help prepare them to become good assistant coaches and hopefully good future head coaches. So I've tried to, during this time, help them grow and help them kind of learn and, and evolve with some of the things that I'm evolving with now. So hopefully they'll be ahead of the curve in understanding some of those things and taking it day by day and just being bought into that day and locked into that day. And again, you're dealing with your, your 13, 15, 16 players, and you're also dealing with the staff that you're trying to, uh, to help develop. But for me, it's been a challenge and something I enjoy doing and something that I really keep close to the heart of trying to develop those younger and those assistant coaches and, and my support staff. So, you know, as much as it's been a difficult process, it's something I've really thrown myself into over these last 10 months and just doing everything to the best of my ability and being the best version of myself and having our staff and team be the best version of ourselves. That's that's great outlook. Uh, Jared, before March 11th or 12th, um, how many Zoom calls had you done in your life? Never been on a Zoom call before in my life. Me either. I didn't even know what the hell it was, man. Now I'm like top 10 in the country in Zoom calls, man. (laughs) It's amazing. It's it's our new fad. All we hear is Zoom. What time is our Zoom today? What time is our Zoom today? Uh, I'm a big personal. I want personal connection. I want to sit down and talk and look eye to eye. And the Zoom stuff has been a difficult adjustment. But thankfully, we have it. You know, it's it's great that we've had it. And it's been able to help us through this. But for me, it's not the perfect world. I want to sit down face-to-face to people and build those genuine relationships. I, I totally agree. But, uh, you know, I was watching a, a show last night on Netflix, and the show is only two, three years old. And the kid is going away to college, and he says to his dad, he says, uh, Dad, you don't even know how to Skype. And I'm, like, saying to myself, Wow. Zoom wasn't even a word back then two, three years ago. <laughs> That's what I picked up from the show. I'm saying, well, wow, you're talking about Skype. You know, and I, I said, wow, that is, that is fabulous. You know, hey, you, you spent, um, you know, eight years, I believe, at Iono with the great Tim Clues. Um, talk about, first of all, I'd love to pay homage to great coaches. Um, talk about Tim as a coach. 
and what he's brought, and because he's done it, which I really appreciate at the D two level, great D coach, D two coach, and then brings it to Iona. And you know how people, especially New Yorkers, where you are, they say oh, that he doesn't have to coach at Division one, and he just crushes it. Yep. Yeah. So Tim, I knew Tim actually. He ended my high school career. I was playing at St. Anthony's High School. He's coaching at St. Mary's. He won his first Catholic League championship against my team my senior year in high school. Wow. And our families know each other. My father played against his brother in college. My dad was at Hofstra. His uh, brother was at St. John's. So we had kind of have had some connections. But, you know, when I went, when I was an interim head coach at Fordham, wasn't retained at the time. Um, Tim just got that uh, Iona job about a week later, reached out to me about coming to meet with him. So it's, it's actually a funny story. It was about, 11.30 at night, I get a phone call from a 516 number. I answer the call. I'm in between jobs night right now. Uh-huh. And Tim Kluse says, uh, what are you doing right now? I said, you know, I was at Fordham this year kind of looking. He goes, no, no, no. Like, what are you doing right this second? <laughs> I said, well, I actually just took some NyQuil. I'm a little under the weather laying on the couch. He's like, well, I just took the owner job. I'm in my office. Would you like to come meet with me? <laughs> well, I hopped in my car, drove 20 minutes to the office. We met till about 1, 1.30 in the morning. And he offered me the job. And he said to me, he's like, take some time, think about it. I said, I don't have anything to think about. I said, I'll be here, I'll be here tomorrow morning ready to work. And I started working at 7 o'clock the next morning. But the reason for me was I had known Tim. I followed him obviously, as a high school coach where he had great success. And he was at uh, Southern West Junior College for a year. And then he was at CW Post for four years. And all Tim knew how to do was win. Yeah. And the first thing he said to me is, what are you looking for right now? I said, I want to win. I said, I just came from a program where we had won early on and had some struggles late. And I said, I want to be a part of winning and I want to learn how to win at the highest level. And having the opportunity to work for as good a coach as there is in college basketball, wow. as high a level competitor, he's the most competitive, strong-willed, like you're not winning a battle of wills with Tim Cluse. If you're a player, you're never winning that battle of wills. So don't even try. How about that? But he just held guys to such a high standard of – what it takes to be successful and how hard you have to work to be successful. And uh, I mean, I, the best thing that ever happened for my career was that I didn't end up getting the Fordham job at that time. I got to work for Tim and learn under a great coach who's an even 10 times better person. I mean, he's like a big brother to me. We talk two or three times a day and any decision I make in my life and outside of my father, he's been the most influential person in my life. Any decision I make, I talk to him about it before I make those moves or any big decision I make. He's just a basketball savant. And mm-hmm. even now he's not in coaching. I'll call him and he'll tell me, you know, I just watched, you know, four hours of our 2012, 2013 team was watching our break. We could have adjusted this and done this. Like the guy's a genius. How about that? He'll throw some stats at me that like he goes through. He still watches video every day, four or five, six hours of video every day and just breaks things down that, a lot of them end up helping me because we have similar style of play-wise. I'm playing similarly to the way we did at Iona. And he's just, just such a great sounding board for me right now. But he's as good a, a basketball mind as I've ever been around. He's outside the box. And the biggest thing I can say is he holds guys to a certain standard, won't let them fall below that standard. And because of the work ethic and the discipline he puts in those guys, they end up, the ones who buy in, end up being successful players and end up being successful in life. And, you know, I've kind of tried to tell you these things, you know, a lot of those lessons. He taught me forward into my program, and I've built, I've done, built this program up the way I learned to do it, working for Tim. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick time out. We're going to come back 
with head coach Jared Grasso. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's H-U-D-L dot com slash assist to learn more. MindView is an amazing, amazing company that literally is just releasing a platform. They have developed an incredible assessment that we have just totally, totally been blown away with. Because on this assessment that you can take in a matter of 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes on your phone, the things that you've never been able to measure before, like resilience, grit, hope, adaptability, all these things, they are able to measure them as to how you're thinking and feeling right now. This is a game changer as far as I'm concerned. I'm a strength finder guy. I love all that. But MindView is the latest technology. It is just literally coming on the market right now. The platform that they've created is second to none. The emphasis right now on your players' mental wellness is unprecedented. I'm sold on MindView. Now it's your turn. For more information about MindView, M-I-N-D-V-U-E, please contact the COO, Cleet McQuinn. His email is cmcquinn at mindview.com or visit their website at mindview.com. Hey, welcome back with the head coach, Jared Grasso of Bryant University. Um, you know, one of the things I've found out, you know, in working uh, with Kevin Eastman when we started coaching you uh, was, you know, we wanted to just help really assistant college coaches in development because we didn't, they, we knew all they were asked to do is recruit, recruit, recruit out of season. And we didn't feel that they really got a chance to develop, you know, because everything was focused on that. And really we did a study and we found out that assistant coaches in college spend between 10 and 20% of their time on actual basketball. Your guys are doing more because they're working on the floor with guys, you know, in player development. But, uh, Tommy Izzo told me that he's one of the head coaches in the country that he gets to spend 25% of his time on basketball. Where an NBA coach, a head coach, spends about 90% because he has to do a lot of media. Assistant coaches, 100% of their time on basketball. And what it, and so by accident, even if you're not that good, you get better because you're doing it all the time. And, and so, but now one of the things that I think is so important as a coach in developing is they need someone to teach them. You have Tim Kluse. What is your belief in that? And I have several mentors, you know, that I constantly, because I have a growth mindset where I kind of want to keep learning and learning, even though I've coached a long time. What, Jared, uh, you know, is the the importance of an influence of having a mentor or a coach for each each person, really? Yeah, I mean, I think it's huge. And for me, it's funny. You know, my father um, 
who was my biggest mentor, um, passed away a couple of years ago. But through, you know, my upbringing as a player and in coaching, was my biggest mentor, always my my voice and my personal coach. Win, lose, or draw, I'd be on the phone with him, and he was always that voice and first that personal voice, but also that coaching voice that could also talk me out of the emotions of the game mm-hmm. and back into you know what do we need to do to get better? What do we need to okay move on from your upset you lost? Let's figure out what the next step is to get better. And, you know, it's funny for me, I, I have several mentors and kind of the best piece of this for me is one of them is a former high school coach who was a friend of my father's yeah. guy named Brian Carey, longtime high school coach on Long Island, who I speak to, you know, twice a week. And he's as good a basketball mind to me as, as many college professional guys. And he's someone who again, sees the game from a different lens, was a, was a long time, only coached the, coached the Division two level and coached at the high school level. But I have someone who uh, sees, sees things differently than some others. Sure. You know, he's another outside-the-box guy who, for me, I've always wanted to be around guys that thought a little differently. And he's actually writing a book right now about it, just seeing the game from a different lens. Like, just because things are done a certain way doesn't mean that's the right way. Exactly. Um, and that's one of the things I've really learned from him. Um, and then you know, I have you know, Tim Cruz, Joe Dooley, guys I talk to very often that I need those guys for myself and my development. And, you know, sometimes we, we're so locked into our every day. You need someone on the outside, both to help you grow, to help you talk you through situations you've never been through. You know, Joe Dooley is a very close friend. He's you know, been at the highest level as an assistant, been a head coach at multiple places. And there's just situations he's been in that I've never been in. So I can call Dool and say, Joe, this such and such happened. And he'll have a reference point of, you know, I went through that in Kansas or Wyoming or East Carolina, you know, this, this, or this, or this you can do. And a lot of times it's not even on the court stuff sometimes. And Timmy has been the biggest basketball mentor. We could talk X and O's for four or five hours a day. <laughs> and some guys don't have that. No. Some guys, like, like you said, assistant coaches, all they want to talk about is recruiting. Because that's kind of the way they're raised in the profession is you have to get players. That's how you're going to move up. But then when you have that opportunity to become a head coach or you're on a staff where you have a head coach who can make emphasis on you and I want you to be able to coach the whole game, a lot of those guys haven't been prepared to do it. So I think it's huge for, for young coaches and assistant coaches and even head coaches to have other coaches they can go to and other voices that they trust. And you got to keep, like you said, you got to keep learning every day and you have to keep improving every day. And without those other people in your life, I think you start your growth. You know, Joe Dooley is a fabulous guy. I mean, to, to you know, I've known Joe for years. And one of the things about him, you know, when you're coaching at Kansas and you're sitting next to the guy who's one of the top coaches of all time and Bill Self, a Hall of Famer, you're sitting there and you you, you start to think you guys know everything. And then all of a sudden you get your ass whooped in a game in the NCAA tournament or something. You What you do is you keep learning. And then all of a sudden you get the job at Florida Gulf Coast. It ain't Kansas. Budget-wise, et cetera. You know, it's a great place. Yeah. And, and then, you know, and then you say, well, you know, I get a, a, a bump up and I get to go to East Carolina. It's a hell of a neat place, Greenville. But in that tough American Athletic Conference, it doesn't have the stuff that the other schools have financially, et cetera. Yep. And, and so everything that you extracted at Kansas, all those things, every X and O, every, the mental part, you got to put that to use. And I, and I think what we want in that person like Joe and like Tim 
and and you have and your and your coach Harry is that you have a truth teller to you and that is so important someone that's going to tell you the truth not what you want to hear right yeah and a lot of times and that's the biggest thing is do you have that person who will tell you what you don't want to hear exactly who will tell you the truth and that's the anytime I get on the phone with Tim Clues I know I'm going to get the honest truth mm-hmm. and it could be something I don't want to hear it could be something he probably doesn't want to tell me but our relationship is to that level that. He's always going to tell me the truth, and and that's what you need. You know, uh, I don't want yes men. I want people who can help me improve. I love that. Hey, tell me about uh, and and I, the thing I loved about you guys when you went to Bryant, and I saw the immediate immediate turnaround. And I love when they, I love when schools do make a great hire. You know, and 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 everyone was you know really louding you. You know, as a hire when you got the job, which is fabulous. And you know when you. What is that when you go into a place that has been very unsuccessful? What tell me your feeling of what happened when all of a sudden you had success and you saw, you know what? I'm doing the right things, you know, and that that little bit of feel and confidence builder frankly it is to you personally when you can get that, that turnaround. Yeah, I, I had a certain way I thought you needed to build a program and thought there's a certain way the culture needs to look, how hard we need to work, what our practices need to look like, what our commitment to this game needs to be. And that's both on and off the floor. And I had a full package needed to look like. You know, all mm-hmm. my time under Tim, I'm preparing myself to be a head coach. So when the opportunity comes again, I'm going to be able to hit the ground running. And, you know, our first group we had here was a, was a not a very talented team. And were able to turn their work ethic around. We were able to turn some of their hunger and grittiness and just doing the tough things and, and not to the level, you know, you want to do it overnight. I wanted to win a, win a championship in year one. Sure. And winning's hard. You know, winning a game at the Division One level is hard. And it's what these guys were coming off a three-win season. Um, and we had, some, we had some struggles early on. I remember losing to Yale by 44 points in our home gym and walking upstairs in the office and shutting my door and putting my head in my hands. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, this ain't easy. This, this is – but, you know, I got up the next morning and we went back to work. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. And I had to keep those guys continue to fight. And they did and were able, you know, win 10 games in the year before, triple of our win total the year before. Uh, had a couple players had career years, um, and that kind of started the process of our turnaround. And then we kind of able to add some more pieces in year two, and get guys who were a little more of a fit for the way I wanted to play. And then now we're here in year three, and we're able to kind of really just change the style of guy. And that's not everyone asks like, is there a certain type of player I like? There is in terms of I want guys who can make shots and stretch the floor, and so there's a skill piece that I want my players to have, but. Mm-hmm. There's also some intangible things, and there's also some things you can't teach, and a grittiness, and a chip on your shoulder, and a guy with something to prove that, like myself, when I was coming up as a player, and mm-hmm. was under recruited, and always had something to prove, and was always one of those guys who was chasing my dream, and no one's going to get in my way. There's a certain kind of kid that fits me, one of those guys who's going to you know, run through walls to be successful, and no one can tell them no, and no one can tell them they're not going to reach their goals, and we've been able to add some of those kind of guys, and I think that's been the biggest piece for me is having guys around me that are like me. Um, and that's something you're able to do with recruiting. And that's something you're also able to do with returning guys who start to see things differently when they're told to work at a certain level every day. And then they start seeing success because of it. You know, once you see that success because of the work you put in, it's a lot easier 
to then buy in to keep working that hard. And I think the first thing we had to do was see some success. And once we did that, I think our culture was really able to take off where now guys understood, okay, this is why we're doing this. This is why we do individuals in addition to practice every day. This is why we're up early in the morning or back late at night for shooting sessions. It takes, I'd say all the time, it takes what it takes. And I tell guys in recruiting, I always ask the question, do you want to be a pro? And, you know, every kid says yes. So when you get here, I'm going to hold you to that standard. And there's times you're not going to like it because it's not easy to be a pro. And it's not normal to be a pro. Like how hard you have to work, it's not normal. You're going to have to edit your life. You're going to have to do different things. And But once those guys say that, they've given me their word they want it, then I'm going to hold them to that standard at that point. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I, I also used to ask that same question. I think it's really an important question to ask them. No matter where you're coaching at, do you want to be play professionally when you're done here? And their answer, I, I and I've also talked to teams, not coaching them, but just as a guest, and asked that same question. And one team I spoke to, all thirteen scholarship players, you know, said raised their hand, and two walk-ons did too. <laughs> and then, yep. you know, but that that's great. That is great. I mean, that that's what we. That's what we're about, and I also think, you know, I always ask the question uh, to every kid and coach I work with, are you, are you coachable? And and everyone says yes. And I said, can I be truthful with you? And they all say yes. And and I think, you you know, if you really want to be that, then damn it, let's go, you know. Tell me, yeah. tell me your, Jared, your defensive style. When you have your squad, what, what does your defensive style look like? What, how do you want to play? Uh, we're a pressing team, so every make we're in some type of pressure. Um, so right now we're pressing 40 minutes a game um, Love it. and pressure back to about 85% zone, 15% man. Um, you know, it, it, it's we want to get after the ball. We want to speed teams up with our pressure. And then the other piece of it is as we've gotten into the shot clock, we like to be able to play zone as, we, as a team, you know, you're 22 on the shot clock. Now we'll go zone. We'll play in zone until ball hits the high post. There's certain a certain spot on the floor, a certain number of passes, and then we'll match band late in the possession. So we're gonna we want to have a team have to prepare for. All right, I'm gonna see pressure. I'm gonna see zone. They may go man in the middle of the possession. So I think it's just a different, a difficult style to prepare for. Yep. Um, and something I think we've had some success with. I love that, and uh, I'm a huge advocate of that. Uh, I think that's a great way to play. Uh, you know, all of us as college coaches, pro coaches, doesn't matter. You know, we in the off season, all we do is we scribble down plays. And man, I have not seen a lot of guys scribble down press offenses. And in their zone offenses, you know, if you got three, four, or five zone offenses, you got a lot. I got a hundred man-to-man plays, you know. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And now, you know, Patino, you know, that was his, you know his philosophy. Also, was you know, I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to play against your man-to-man. I'm going to make you play against my zone. I think it's. I think in the college level, I think it's an overcoached <laughs> game, so to speak, in many ways. And all of a sudden, they'll they'll prepare differently for your team as in the NBA we prepare the same for every team right and then we make adjustments during the game in college we act like each game is a football game and all of a sudden I I have coaches that literally put in defense new defenses that I work with every freaking game that they're in I said you can't be good doing that you know if you're if you're preparing against to play against Jerry Grasso's team and you're doing a new defensive style that you've not worked on in preseason and now, how can you be successful at it, you know, in a one-day preparation? So I think you're doing the right thing. 
And what does that have the other team do? They can't prepare for your offense as much, right? Absolutely. And that's for us offensively. We play really fast. I mean, I think we're fourth in the country in scoring right now. Uh, I think we're maybe first or second in uh, in pace and tempo. So, Jeez, you know, we're playing great. fast, make or miss. Um, and then we're top 15 in the country in three-point percentage, top 20 in the country in uh, assists. So we've been able to we stretch the floor. We kind of try and share the ball, stretch the floor, and we're trying to play fast, make or miss. And, you know, we kind of have the personnel to do that. I'm playing really four guards with a front court guy who's a skilled guy who can step out and make a three or put it on the floor a little bit. So that's kind of what I envisioned oh, that's, that's um, as we put this together. And the good thing is uh, the whole group coming back, um, it's a fairly young group. We have two seniors, so we'll get the year back and be back. And outside of that, it's a fairly young group, you know, three sophomores in that mix um, and a freshman. So uh, I think the future is pretty bright, and I think we have guys who love to play. So that's the most important thing to me is we have, have guys who love to play and love to compete. It makes practice fun every day. And I there have not been many days I've walked out of practice where I haven't enjoyed coaching my team. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. That, to is, me. that is really that right there. That's a critical teaching point. You know, as a head coach, you can never have a bad day in practice, right? You know, yep. and, uh, and, and when you come in with that attitude, that's fabulous. Let me ask you this. And uh, in the running game, everyone wants to run in the off season. I think you know everyone says, "Oh, we're going to." And they come out and they got their, they got their great offense that they're going to run. They're not committed to it, but they over the summer, after all these Zoom sessions that we all went into uh, basketball development class last spring as as an as a group, and everyone comes out. They got now they're going to run a new offense for many coaches. Okay. Now they come out and all of a sudden they run until they don't do well. What's the most important thing in putting a running game together for you? You know, you're an expert at it. You and Tim did it at Iona. What makes a running game work at the college level? I mean, I think a couple things. One, like you said, you have to be committed to it. You can't have two games where you miss shots and say, oh, now we're going to walk the ball to the floor. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to happen. There's going to be days where you're not as good offensively as you want to be, which could be miss shots, miss layups, turn the ball over more than you would have liked. You can't run away from it just because you have a game or two where things don't go the way you had planned. And that's the biggest piece that I've seen. You know, over the years, guys will come and want to sit down with Tim or myself and talk about, playing fast and kind of our philosophies but are you comfortable giving your guys some freedom are you comfortable knowing that there are going to be games that teams maybe maybe back and forth i remember vividly and i talked to tim about this all the time we're playing at florida gulf goes actually against joe dooley <laughs> and we're going back and forth you know it's 13 14 minutes into the game no one can stop each other. So, And we're pressing. And I said to Tim, should we pull off the press? He goes, no, this game is exactly the way we want it. And, you know, this is me, young assistant coach. You know, I thought I'm saying, but we can't stop them. So that's okay. It's at the pace we want to play at. They don't want to continue to play at this pace. We end up winning the game by 20. We end up scoring 97 points because they were playing at the pace we wanted to play at. That's not the way they wanted to play. So they were sucked into some a little bit of early success offensively in a style that they weren't comfortable with. Next thing you know, we knock down three threes in a row. They have a couple turnovers, and it's a 12-point lead. So the biggest piece is you have to know this is what we do, and we're going to stick with it. And I think the second thing is you need to keep doing it through the season. You can't just say, all right, we're a running team. We work on it for three weeks, and then the season starts, and you're worried about scouting other teams, defensive rebounding, half-court offense, special teams. Like, 
hell you're going to grade it, or whatever it is, two or three things. And if that, if, if your running game is one of them, then you have to work at it every day. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not something that could season, oh, we did that early on, so we're going to continue to be good. No, you still need to work on your transition. You still need to, and however it may be, if you drill it, if you do it out of a scrimmage uh, format, whatever it is that you do, it still has to be an everyday thing because guys, first, their conditioning, and second, their muscle memory is going to be what you have them do every day. So for me, it's something, you know, we're going into February. We're still working on doing all the same transition things we were early in the year. We do certain things with the shot clock, certain scoring things based on how quickly we score the ball, how quickly we get out of the net. So I have a bunch of different things I do, but I'm still doing the same stuff I was from day one to make sure that we keep that pace for a full season. Uh, you know, and this is a fascinating question that I always ask, whether it's Mike D'Antoni or I would ask Tim the same thing. Um, it, it, this is always, you know, when when the ball goes through the net, as you just mentioned, who takes the ball out? So it's funny you ask that. So for 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 me, <laughs> it's a great discussion question, man. isn't it? I love it. it well, it, it's it's the most it's the it's the it's always the million dollar question. Yeah, you know, it's always the who's going to take it out? Do you want your four? Do you want your five? Is going to be another? Are you just let anyone take it out? So mm-hmm. for for me, it's always been my four man. But we've had a little bit of success where if someone's close to the ball right now. And it's just kind of happened throughout the year. We'd scrimmage, and I let our guys do it a little bit where someone else was close to the ball, and they just took it out and inbounded to our one or even inbound to one of our other guards because I have I play multiple you know combo guards together. Um, so we've gotten to the point that if our four is closest to it, he's taking it out. If there's someone else closest to it, we'll let him take it out and just let that other guy fill the other lane yep. because we had some success with it. So it's off kilter for, for – what I had planned on and the way I typically done it, but it just kind of evolved into something we've done and we've had some success with it. So I've let us continue to do it. I love that. One of the things I asked Mike D'Antoni years ago when he was in Phoenix and, uh, you know, we, and I got the, and there were, he was assistant coach to coach K with the Olympic team. So I went to their practices out in uh, Vegas and I, and I'm sitting there with him after practice. I said, Mike, who takes the ball out? And he goes, and and Mike's great. And most pro coaches are pretty good about this. They don't. They share everything because yep. it's whoever's got better players and plays well that night wins. You know, it's not. Right. It's not like we're college coaches. Sometimes we think we invented something. You know, at NASA or yep. something. And so he said, Brendan, the closest guy takes it out. I said, what about if Steve Nash is standing there and the guy just laid the ball up? He said, Steve Nash goes and takes it out of bounds, throws it in, and we throw it right back to him. But so it's funny because that's kind of what we've evolved to doing. Yeah, and I and and he said, Brendan, I if it's a fast break, we got, I can't wait for my four man to come from half court down, take the ball out yeah. of bounds, and I said, okay, and I mean it made such sense to me, and it's so simple, but that's that's who Mike D'Antoni is, and I think that's who Tim Clues yeah. is too. Simplicity is one of the great teachers, you know, uh, of execution. I think you know, uh, I think that is brilliant do you do you try to do many drags off of that or double drags or things like that is that part of we your will thing? drag i mean we're trying to throw the ball ahead anytime we can mm-hmm. we will drag if our five man who's our, our rim runner isn't so we tell if our rim runner is not ahead of the play and if his man is already down if his defenders under the rim we're stopping him, we're always going to drag and transition so we let him make that read but we do. I am big on having a rim runner. I want to make sure there's a defender back because I think you do end up with these matches a lot. 
um, in transition, when you have someone running into the rim, teams are always going to have their guard back. So a lot of times a point guard will end up taking a five man early because he was the furthest guy back if that's the guy running to the rim. So you're starting your offense where the defense doesn't have their normal matchups. And for us, that's exactly what we want. We're, we're trying to play off matchups more than anything. See, I bet guys like you watching games, NBA games, and Tim Kloos watching NBA games, you're probably looking at it and seeing Milwaukee and Boston running everyone in the NBA running this five out stuff, you know, yep. you know, which is great, beautiful stuff. And, and, you know, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's so different than, you know, having that rim runner, uh, and almost some, by doing that, sometimes that guy that they don't run hard, they jog, they jog down into five spots. Some of them, uh, There's no question. Yeah. I did it last year. I ran to five out. I watched Milwaukee a ton. I Beautiful. I break last year, ran to five out last year, and saw that our, we, we didn't run as hard. We didn't get nearly as much in transition because those guys were just jogging to those five spots. And I, my, and after watching Milwaukee more, like you can do when you have Giannis, who can just go make a play, so they'll pin down for him or whatever quick actions they do. But they weren't getting as much out of their initial transition, and I want to be able to get stuff off of our initial transition. Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing when you run a defined, you know, whether you call it a, you know, you know, back in the day, you call it a numbered fast break or you run, as Kansas did, an early offense, um, Carolina early offense, Carolina break, uh, where it's a five-man fast break. Uh, I think it's really hard to teach kids that we both know that, you know, two-on-one, three-on-one, three-on-two fast breaks are the essence of fast break basketball as opposed to running almost a, a quick uh, five-man offense. Yep. I think that's that really fine line of teaching. You know, it's really Absolutely. hard to do, I think, really hard. I totally agree. We're going to take a quick timeout, and we'll be right back for our last segment with Jared Grasso. Prepare like the pros with the new FastDraw. FastDraw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next Fast Model purchase. Jared, uh, in doing a little research on what you'd been doing at Bryant, I absolutely was fascinated by one of the stories I read about you guys, and I want you to explain this to me. Uh, I believe it's June 15th when we can start calling underclassmen, right? And then they said a couple, was it two years ago, you offered 132 or 34 guys in one day, your staff? Correct. Yep. All right. Now, tell this legend in coaching why we did that. <laughs> What? You know, so I love it though. I absolutely love it. I think mathematically it's pretty simple. If you look around, there's five power conferences. Think of how many there's thirteen scholarships on the team. So you're talking about 
the number of high major players out there is, is probably roughly around 300 players per class or like what one would consider mm-hmm. mid-major plus to high major players about 300 325 of them a year um so why are we not going to try and recruit the highest level guy and guys who i guess on paper are a higher level player knowing that one maybe you get lucky and you get one of them you know you're having success you have a relationship with one of their people maybe you get lucky and you steal a kid mm-hmm. maybe a kid and you're talking about these guys are this is june 15th before guys junior year maybe a kid gets injured his junior year recruitment falls off people forget about him you end up stealing one maybe you build a relationship with a kid who ends up going to syracuse and or georgia tech or wherever it may be and it doesn't work out for them and they're one of those thousand kids on a transfer portal and now when they get calls from 20 different schools they already have a relationship with you so they know oh, that's coach Russell from brian he offered me a scholarship i remember him maybe i'll take that call instead of the other 18 coaches that are cold, cold calling him that he doesn't know no relationship has never heard of before so for me, I think it kind of, it just makes sense. Like, why are you going to limit yourself to offering 10 guys scholarships where these are all high level guys. And if any of them wanted to commit on the spot, I would take their commitment that day. Mm. Now, as we all know, the reality of recruiting is just because I offered 32 point guards and I'm only, I'm only be taking one. So a point guard commits, like those other offers are off the table at that point. Sure. And I explain that to guys. If you want to come today, I'm taking your commitment right now. I'm also going to recruit some other guys. And the day you say this is the place you want to be, I would love to have you. But this is fluid, and this could change in every class. I could sign someone next year and might not need a point guard anymore. This stuff changes with media transfers, and the way recruiting has changed and evolved, it's so fluid and changes so quickly with guys leaving your roster, people leaving other rosters, media transfers, summer transfers, you don't know when and where you're going to need to sign a guy. And for me, for us to be involved in our name, to be out there like that day on June 15th, we were talked about more than for one day of that year. We talked about more than Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina. Our name was out there. Our men's basketball website got more hits that day than it had the six months prior. I think the first time we did it. Um, and if you go on Twitter, which every player and every coach is doing, unfortunately still Unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, social media has become a big part of our society. People are reading about Bryant basketball. And it was a program that three years ago, outside New England, no one had ever heard of Bryant. And I think because of the way we've done some things, both in recruiting and some of the success we've had on the floor, we've been able to change that perception of the school. I think it's incredible. It's absolutely genius, actually. Fabulous. I, I, I read about it, and I, I, I said, my God. What a freaking brilliant idea. I think it's awesome. It's great. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you, you know, I I, I think uh, I think you guys, I'm really, really excited that we did this today because, uh, first of all, I learned, and I think that's what I always try to do every day. But, uh, you know, but to, to meet someone and uh, learn from someone like yourself uh, who's going is a rising star in our business, it's fantastic. But, uh, Jared, I really appreciate you doing this, and uh, I wish you guys really a lot of success for the rest of the year. You're in a very, very tough conference. Uh, you know, you know, I, knowing growing up in the Northeast, 
the NEC, it's a hell of a conference. Talk quickly about it because I, I, I want to make sure the fans around the country get to, or the coaches around the country that listen, understand about this conference you play in. You know, it's, it's a tough, competitive, gritty, physical league. Uh, I mean, the only difference between the NEC and some of the other big major leagues is really the front court size. We don't have many. 6'11", 6'10", front court guys. There's, you know, two or three of them in the league. So our front courts are a little more undersized. You know, I have a kid, our, our starting uh, five band is about six, six foot seven, seven foot wingspan, third in the country in block shots. But he's a athletic, physical front court guy. But the size piece is probably the one thing that's different between us and some of the other higher mid-major leagues. Um, but you look at the guards in our league, they're as good as mm-hmm. any mid-major program in the country and could play at some high-major programs. Um, and it's a high-scoring league. It's a high-paced league. Um, a lot of teams in our league play very fast. And, again, the, the as teams start getting upperclassmen, be it through having guys for two, three, four years or bringing in some some transfers and some older guys, the upperclassmen in our league are really good and are always really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a difficult league, very good coaches, and every game is going to be a battle um, because of it's a northeast, you know, tough, a lot of New York City kids, a lot of Philly kids, a lot of Baltimore kids. So you have kind of tough yep. inner city competitive guys, and that's the kind of league, league it is, a really gritty physical, hard-fought, scrappy Uh You know what? I'm, I'm so impressed by what you've done up there at, at Bryant. And, uh, you know, it's a program on the move. But more importantly, uh, I really I really enjoyed this today because, uh, you know, this is the kind of basketball style that uh, kids love to play. Uh, coaches coach hate to coach against, to be honest with you. <laughs> Never enjoyed being pressed, you know. <laughs> Never, yeah. no one does. And if they say they do, they're lying, right? Uh, but uh, again, thank you so much, and uh, and I love what you're doing. And uh, if we can help you at all coaching you, uh, please reach out. Thanks very much, Brendan. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, you're most welcome. Wow, that was uh, that was that was big time. Uh, you know, I love when we're on a podcast and I can learn from someone and Jerry Grasso is one of those great young coaches that we have throughout our country that has paid his dues as an assistant work for great head coaches. And as you can see, he's on a continual learning phase uh, with mentors and coaches in his life to keep his growth mindset going. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this pod- You enjoyed this podcast because of you can see yourself in that position. So if you want to make sure you want to learn about how to take over a program, I think this was really a a, a valuable, valuable podcast for you. Until next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sarah.